Welcome to the Herbs with Rosalie podcast, a show exploring how herbs heal as medicine, as food, and through nature connection. I'm your host, Rosalie de la Forêt. I'm an herbalist teacher and the best-selling author of the books Alchemy of Herbs and Wild Remedies. I created this podcast to share trusted herbal wisdom so that you can get the best results when relying on herbs for your health. I love offering up practical knowledge to help you dive deeper into the world of medicinal plants and seasonal living. My goal is that you'll walk away from each episode feeling inspired to start working with herbs in your everyday life. Each episode of the podcast is available on my Herbs with Rosalie YouTube channel, as well as your favorite podcast app. Transcripts and recipes for each episode can be found at herbswithrosaliepodcast.com. To get the latest news as well as fun bonuses, be sure to sign up for my weekly herbal newsletter. Okay, grab your cup of tea. Let's dive in. It was truly a delight to connect with Jesus. He's doing such inspiring work with kids, the school systems just outside of Austin, Texas, and everything he shared in this episode felt important and impactful on many levels. I first heard of Jesus from my friend Mason Hutchison from Herb Rally, and I'm so glad that he suggested that we get in touch. Jesus Garcia is a Mexican shaman and herbalist teaching the traditions of lineage work through botanical practices of curanderia and community spiritual herbalism. Jesus is an early child care educator focusing on nature school fundamentals through holistic enrichment garden programs and is the founder of the Herbal Action Project, a nature play school and community. Well, welcome to the show, Jesus. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. I'm just so thrilled to have you here. And I'm. this is my opportunity to get to know you too. So I'm excited to hear about your herb path and you know what's brought you here to us today. Mm, you know, I feel like that's such a loaded question. <laughs> like what has brought me here today? You know, I really do feel like the herbs have brought community just together for us to explore a little bit deeper mm. of not only what we do in our family and our traditions, but also merging this beautiful connection of what is herbalism and how we can all join together uh, to find a space that is not only healthy living in response, but also a traditional use, how we can bring some of these ceremonies into our life today. And I think that, you know, there's a position where I get that question a lot. How were you called into, you know, the plant world and how were the the plants calling for you to be here today? And I always feel that I have to, you know, bring some assurance for my ancestors that I was born into this plant world. And I was since day one, just have gravitated towards the gardens and been in connection with all the beautiful things that my ancestors and my grandparents have, you know, really supported me in nurturing not only my garden within my own cellular and, you know, human being, but also in a spiritual essence of what these plants really did to nurture me today and now. Hmm, that's beautiful, Jesus. I just had this vision as you're talking of this, like all of, you know, your ancestors standing behind you and supporting what you're doing, but also because I know a bit about your work, you're like a seed dispersal yourself, spreading so many seeds out into the community, especially with young minds, which I'm sure we're going to get to talking about. So I get from the sense that you were you know, raised with plant medicine, plants as food, and that deep connection from, you know, from day one. 
Yes, definitely. And I do kind of go back into, you know, food sovereignty and that support, you know, growing up in Mexico and growing up in Eagle Pass, Texas, right on the border, it was difficult for us, especially my family and grandparents that we lived with to really find medicine and to be connected in this position in the welfare living of how to really provide medicine to our cultures and our neighbors and the tribes that would come to honor and celebration. And it's such a needed part today on how we can really cultivate not only kitchen medicine, but really support the care of knowledge of what is going into our dishes and how we get to nurture ourselves. And I think I am so grateful, you know, in the position of how I grew up and how there was always positive movement within the struggles and tribulations that we faced with adversity, but also with being Mexican and being part of this Latinx movement on how to really dance with those troubles, how to dance with the past and how to bring some brightness into our dishes collectively as family. Mm, mm, beautiful, Jesus. Well, I'm really excited to hear about your chosen herb because this is not a plant that I'm familiar with. And I'm really excited to hear from you about Mexican oregano. Yes, Mexican oregano was one of the first herbs that I remember having such a passion for and waking up in the middle of the night when I was feeling a little bit sickly and, you know, seeing my grandmother just go out into the forest and, you know, cultivate and really bring forth some level of ancestor support while she was harvesting this herb, bringing it back into our kitchens and toasting it a little bit and having those beautiful spirits of the essential oils permeate through the kitchen and making me feel already safe and making mm -hmm. me feel a little bit like I was this herb and I was part of this herb and really bringing it into not only the response of medicine as a tea or as an essence or in a caldo in a beautiful, amazing soup and broth, but also in a way where it was transformative for me, made me feel like a warrior. And so oregano del campo, or also known as oregano del monte, you know, is one of my favorite herbs to connect with, not only in the Oaxacan spiritual connection of our Aztec ancestors and Mayan rural ancestors, but also in a familiar sense of knowing that I was going to be taken care of. And I was feeling like a warrior at six or seven years of age when I was feeling sick. And my mama, you know, would always kind of toast it a little bit on the comal and the griddle. So we could kind of just feel the essence of feeling strong when, of course, like sources of medicine were limited in our culture. Hmm. Yeah, so, you know, not knowing this plant, I had to look it up just a little bit before we talked. And it's not related to oregano, and it's not even in the mint family, but it has a really interesting other relationship. It's more closely related to verbania. Is that right? Vervain. Now I forget. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually both. It's, oh. you know, we see it a lot with verbena and vervain, but more closely as we're doing scientific studies into it, we also see it connected to the living of the Monarda family. So we get to see it growing in that way. And it looks very much like that bee balm. And oregano del campo, depending on where you are in Mexico, which is really great, maybe we'll take a trip one day, you know, where you are in the higher plains and in the desert areas, it grows differently and has a different scent to it as well. It has a little bit of that spicy, you know, heat to it, but it has that soothing, almost mint taste as well. And so depending how we work with it and where, where it's growing, we get to really evolve in not only the taste, the flavors, but also the dance of the spiritual essence of it. Mm. 
So from what you've shared, it sounds like there's the toasting of it and they're aromatic. So the breathing in, and you mentioned a tea. Did you mention tea? I think you did. Yes. Yeah. So what my grandmother used to do is that she'll, you know, of course, harvest it, bring it back into our, our, our houses. And uh, she would toast it on a griddle and make almost like a sage bundle of it <laughs> and toast it lightly. Because as we know, sometimes when we're very young, the volatile oils, the essential oils can be a little bit different difficult on our tummies. So she mm. would toast it a little bit. So those volatile oils can really permeate through. And then we would put that in normally soups, caldos is what we call it. But with that, we would be drinking the caldo as it was boiling. So we would be drinking this beautiful warm infusion as it was boiling. And it turns from this kind of bitter taste to a very sweet and soothing taste. Mm -hmm. And you get to see the oils on top of the broth. And then we would add, of course, you know, beautiful, amazing things like grains to make a porridge or to even have it in a vegetable stew. Mm, I love it. Medicine, food <laughs> is medicine. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And then you've also shared a Olympia recipe with us. Will you talk a little bit about that? Yes, limpias are very common, especially for, you know, individuals that are feeling spiritually sick and spiritually ill. And a lot of the times because I was born premature and I had some difficulties at a young age as far as disability, my grandmother would always bring forth the spirits and the ancestors to take care of my spiritual self, to take care of this space that is around us. And the limpia is, is really much getting a bundle of whatever herb you're working with. And especially in this case, the oregano and oregonio, and we would go around it in areas where we knew there was tension we knew there was heat we knew there was this position of letting out the different organs so we she would go around it and she knew she was such a beautiful amazing curandera and shaman and just great 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 grandmother of these herbs that would just you know go into the areas where we have chakras and release that tension release that that certain type of, of of ability that would turn into more of a healing process and we would be told to breathe in deeply take it into the belly and then let it go so whatever pain that was coming through whatever thought whatever memory whatever aggravation we would digest it spiritually and we would give it back to the elements mm -hmm. oh lovely thank you so much for sharing that with us and for sharing the recipe as well yes and I know that Mexican oregano, oregano del campo, grows in the southwest and in Mexico as a native plant. Do you also grow it in your gardens? I do. So I do grow it in my gardens. And this is an ancestral herb that we were had to leave, you know, Mexico had to leave the border cities in a very rushed state because there was a lot going on when I was growing up in that early 90s that we needed to just transplant ourselves. And so my mother, you know, she loaded up the car. And one thing that, you know, really spoke to me as a child was, you know, bring it home with you and really kind of create a sovereignty piece of a living altar with it. And so we've been having this generation of oregano, a very familiar oregano growing in our garden for some time. And though I don't use it as much for cooking, you know, I do use it a lot for limpias. And mm. people that are coming to our food forest, that are coming into our gardens, they tend to really linger around it. So when we're doing a plant meditation, I always secretly see where they're going and they always kind of pause next to the oregano. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I feel like I really want everyone to know about your gardens and your 
your work. So do you mind sharing a little bit about that and all the beauty that yes, you bring into the world through your teachings? For sure. And, you know, I think that as we evolve as a society, we're wanting to learn more how to cultivate for our family and how to really bring, you know, positive spaces into our household. And one thing that I've been doing that has been done for a long time that my grandfather was as an earth worker would teach us is to really evolve food forestry into a place of peace and sanctuary. And so the gardens that I create and design are much more nurtured for the child and having that wonder to the child self. So the food forest that we have, not only does it have bioregional, you know, herbs that we work with and cultivate with and make medicine with, we also have a lot of the curandissimo herbs, a lot of the spiritual shaman herbs that are here to really support our ancestors and to create altars. And so every little pocket of our, of our gardens and our food forest has not only food, it has a beautiful sensation of spiritual care, but we also have this amazing gift for doula care on how to really leave things in our garden and so when i'm doing meditations for everyone that comes through i usually give them a stone so they can go and plant it or give them some seeds mm -hmm. so they can create and cultivate that particular food forest into a beautiful evolved connection of family we're all connected we all can share seeds and we can all grow together through every season and that's what these gardens do and they got a little bit popular in the school district because I'm also a pre-K teacher. So I started teaching enrichment garden classes and herbalism holistic classes where each particular school that I foster and work with has its own food forest garden. Oh, that's so lovely. What you're describing is like just truly this embodiment of all the gifts that herbalism has to offer in that some people might be like led into herbalism as like, oh, did you know that plantain can be used for bug bites or, you know, just like a really simple like this for that, like, oh, instead of, you know, Neosporin, I can, you know, use Clendula or whatever, just a simple thing. But that is just such a, you know, and it's a really cool thing. I think when that happens, it is often our ancestry like calling us back into back mm -hmm. to the plants, but it's just such a sur surface level. And what you're describing is that deeper transformative deeply enriching and just incredibly fulfilling part of herbalism and you're just like embodying that you know this is just like oh. <laughs> life of jesus it's just that's what it is well good because my checklist feels like it's not done yet and so i'm always <laughs> looking for every season is a new ability of what else can I do and, and what other communities need to be here and who is really feeling this call to walk into these gardens and you know what do they need and even if I'm not present let these plants really be the caretaker and the caregiver for community. Mm, mm, I love that so much. Do you want to speak at all directly to like the Her Herbal Action Project and the work you do through them? Yes. And so this kind of like stems, you know, really beautiful because I was in an internship at Herb Farm, you know, really kind of looking into creating a, a, a bigger piece in farming. And, uh, you know, here in Texas, we come from a big agricultural co connection of community. And so I wanted to change the way that farming was. Little did I know that after that internship, I would have such a breakthrough on changing the way that we grew food and medicine into this position of like, how do I teach others that are ready for this and you know i struggled a little bit on trying to find you know some sort of community here in texas of herbalism and i kept on playing with you know small little gardens with my niece and uh, she really much went into this position as a fourth grader of wanting to know more about the herbs and having that practice 
in the school district. So I walked into her school and, and I said, hey, there's a little plot of land back there. And, you know, if you want, I can, you know, try to foster some sort of connection into creating a project that is not only herbal action influence, like we work with herbs, but it's also community driven. And so that was the position when I started the herbal action project as an initiative to really share space with not only child, parent, and then teachers starting to get involved and learning these modalities that are so sacred and ritual, you know, that come from my lineage, whether it be breath work, whether it be meditation, or maybe just a piece whenever a child was having troubles, you know, and needed some support sitting next to Rose or sitting next to Minarda or sitting next to a mint plant. And I saw that kind of evolving into the stasis and the connection of how we really care for the mental support and how we're delivering this. So my budding herbalism courses started to be influenced into the school district and then i started teaching a little bit more in charter schools private schools and now we're probably you know this foundation is is starting to to really be in almost every single placement of childhood and child care living which is really great because the curriculum that we've created together with me my niece and everyone involved really seems to bring some level of care and holistic therapy that wasn't there, that this world is really needing today. And we get to be part of that garden. We get to nurture those spaces and we get to be part of this evolution where the child is now teaching the parent how to be an herbalist. Mm. You know, the sense I got, Jesus, when you're saying, you know, what, what a child might need by sitting next to a rose or the gifts that they might get from that experience. The thought that popped into my head was like, and how many problems do all of us have, children, adults, anywhere in between? Because we don't have that ability. You know, it's like mm -hmm. for so many people, they don't even know that deficiency exists, like rose deficiency or, you know, yeah. <laughs> deficiency or just, you know, time with plants deficiency and how much that can just, you know, restore something that is often missing unbeknownst mm -hmm. to a lot of people. Yeah. I was reading on your Herbal Action Project website something about a child creating a salve that then became important. And I just want to touch on that because I'm getting that sense of like, I like how this yeah. is community. This isn't like this top down teaching, but instead the children are inspired and encouraged to be the creators, as you were just saying. Yes. And one of the, you know, the main things that we started to do is, is definitely have you know, the magic and the ability of the child create their own medicine. I wasn't just going to drop off, you know, a mutual aid, you know, box with, you know, salves and boo-boo bombs. I wanted the child to really explore how to plant that seed, give it some nice attention, some Reiki, some beautiful love in that season, transform that into, of course, this miracle that gives us so much sunlight through trauma. And I started to notice that a lot of the children, when we had a calendula patch and a marigold patch, you know, they would go to it after after they would hurt themselves falling down or, you know, having difficulties with their teacher or even having, you know, some emotional aggression that really kind of move them a certain way. And so I found it really interesting when we created a project of creating, you know, a healing oil. And we saw this in, in the classes where these children were now forgetting about their traumas and they were sharing collectively. They were becoming their own tribe and they were passing around the olive oil and giving it some whispers of positivity and then touching each calendula petal and just singing to it as they were putting it into the mason jar. And then all of them together collectively just dousing this beautiful mixture and hugging it every day for 30 days, giving it a new attitude, a new possibility. And then placing that, of course, with some shea butter and making 
making their own boo-boo salves where they can give it to the world and send it out to different schools. And that to me opened up the mindset of I need to be teaching, you know, these these ancestral rites of not only emotional and energetic herbalism, vibrational therapies to these children, but the children should be teaching this as well. And so we started to see the fourth graders teaching the eighth graders and then the eighth graders teaching the 12th graders. And it became mm-hmm. such a wonderful connection of the child really taking the step forward as an herbalist, as a a creator of healing and really having that ability of telling their mom and dad, like, let's go plant some calendula in our garden and let's make this medicine. And that was just so precious where we see it today evolving into a much more beautiful teacher assistant. Mm. Well, my thought after that, Jesus is like, well, that's the world I want to live in. <laughs> yeah, that's just so beautiful. And again, I just, you know, someone I was raised in very much the, you know, teacher authority hierarchy, be taught, do what you're told structure. Yeah. And it feels very freeing to hear and inspiring to hear, you know, how how these children are being really, you know, held up to create their own and be able to, you know, create their own magic in their own way of herbs and, and their own beauty. Thank you so much. You know, there there's a, such a responsibility for us as elders of this medicine and, you know, this beautiful right that we have to share knowledge. And why not channel our child self uh, to see what we needed that we were missing or see the wonders that we wanted to really continue, but we were told to grow up. Hmm. I could also just see like at that age and just, you know, it's kind of, there's like a, a free mind kind of thing that it'll just really be interesting to see how this keeps growing and how the ripple spreads and the creativity that can come from that type of teaching. And yeah, I just, wow. Yeah. Well, we got on to the Herbal Action Project. I didn't really ask if you were done sharing about Oregano del Campo. Is there anything else that you wanted to share about this wonderful plant? The wonderful things that I do, especially because we just had the solstice is, you know, in our lineage, we really praise the sun and we praise that connection of what the sunlight can bring us and through different, you know, allocations within our system and our body and each organ really holds trauma. And so the oregano really kind of helps me in a position when I bundle it up with rose to bring forth not only protection in my spiritual worth, but almost tap in, you know, with the ability of the rose thorn, you know, to open up certain traumas and difficulties that we're holding on to as adults and how we can really take that deep breath in like my grandmother taught me and send it back out and knowing that we don't have to harbor those feelings anymore and it can be transformative and being brought to light by the sunlight and how the sunlight can be warm and really be in this connection of us really tasting those bitter notes of that trauma and having it transform through something else that's going to be brought into our gardens and i think you know there's such an ability to to be shared in any different you know in many different cultures and how we differently work with these beautiful plants but i feel oregano always kind of stays the same for us it always gives us that warrior spirit it really is a you know immunity protector but it also gives us an ability to breathe through the difficulties and so sometimes my clients when they're going back and forth and in their busy lives and i tell them just get your oregano bundle out you know i know it's in your car you know and just kind of crunch it a little bit and smell those notes and breathe through it whatever is happening you know you have that moment for yourself and you get to really explore different notes of how oregano wants us to really be shown and how we want to step forward into the right of healing in ourselves. 
Um, thank you for that addition. That reminds me, I'm I'm reading writing Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmer right now for like the seventh time or something, and it's like <laughs> a book to life. But right now, I'm doing it as a um, book club with my Rooted Medicine Circle students. Oh. And so it's really, really fun to read it, you know, essay by essay and discuss it. And the one essay that we just read, she was talking about how what's really missing from a lot of cultures who are displaced from their lands is that there's a lot of ceremony around the individual and ceremony around, like, say, achievements, but not a lot of ceremony around the land and where people are from. And that's also just something I'm seeing coming through you, you know, this, the celebration of the sun, the celebration of the plants that are growing here and now, and how, you know, just how worthy that is of celebrating. So Yes, and every day, you know, every day is, is a celebration. And it's hard for us who, you know, have a busy schedule in, in the modern day of the human experience. And I, I do feel that it should be celebrated. I do deaf doula work a lot. And I was a, a, you know, caregiver, you know, for my grandparents as they were passing. And in the Mexican lineage, you know, we honor death. We honor that beautiful cycle of, okay, what comes next? The new beginnings. And every day is a blessing. You know, we not might be here today physically, you know, someday, but we get to really appreciate it and feel everything and be connected into every single cycle of what living can bring us. And that is really expressed through the plants. Mm. Well, Jesus, I wish I could be one of the students in your pre-clinic. <laughs> yes, <practice>. come on <laughs> through. <laughs> I do really hope to come down and see you one day. So that's yeah. definitely on the list. Before I let you go, I wanted to ask the question I'm asking everybody for season nine, which is what's in your herbal medicine first aid kit? Yes, well, we did talk about oregano. And so I do carry, you know, oregano spirits and oregano essential oil in, in my medicine kit that's always there. And, you know, it really supports us to breathing through, obviously, but also as a great, you know, antibiotic and antimicrobial. But another thing that I try to bring into my medicine cabinet a lot is either a grief potion or some sort of, you know, really beautiful connection into moving through different levels of grief. And I find mm -hmm. that is a little bit more you know needed into supporting the emotion first obviously we have the saps obviously we have you know the other beautiful herbs that are going to really move certain things in the physical body but rarely do we open up space to calm that person that's going through trouble or really support you know that particular client or parent that is needing just sacred space before we move on to healing the body and so i always bring a, a grief potion of some sort you know some sweet mimosa is always there for us in that care but some roses you know some rose honey just to really help them go through the process of what's going on how can we help you and how to open up and since i work with children a lot i find that creating space first is the most optimal connection that we need in order for us as practitioners to do our work efficiently and with care and also closing that space normally with a palo santo or of course a sage bundle you know to make sure that hey we're leaving everything here and our angels came through our ancestors came through and they were here to support us not only these hands this space was here for you so i always kind of bring some of those tools into my herbal first aid kit Mm. That is something that is unexpected and I love it. It reminds me about how like growing up, I was kind of taught like if a child hurts themselves to like run to them and be like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And, you know, kind of like do a mini freak out, you know, and I've, <laughs> I've had to unlearn that now to like child falls. You just kind of like let them like 
you know, give them some space. You don't have to mm -hmm. rush in and freak out, then panic them and, you know, et cetera. And I love that, you know, because oftentimes when kids fall or have a boo-boo, they look to us first. You know, they like <laughs> the thing happens and then they look to whoever mom or dad or auntie in my case. And I can like, just what a beautiful thing that it's like, they know that, you know, they fall, they hurt themselves or something happens and they are going to be taught like, oh, we're going to support you. Like, it's not going to yeah. be like, it's not going to be panic. It's not going to be, you know, whatever, but it's going to be like, you're going to be supported with hugs, with throws, you know, with whatever might be there at our fingertips. But yeah, I like that. It's definitely, again, mm -hmm. different from how I was raised in, in terms of the, the freak out versus the, the calm response. But the calm response with this is like also like the plant supported response. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. I've been working pretty diligently on restructuring nurse cabinets and school nurses, really kind of restructuring how they talk to the child because sometimes the child, they're feeling the pain and so they're quivering. It's hard for them to really tell us what is going on. And so what I try to do, and this is in about six of our schools now, which is great, is each school nurse center has a little fairy garden. And we have, of course, all the healing, you know, plants there like calendula and echinacea, you know, and the child gets to sit there for a second. Like, do you, do you need some mom a moment to sit down so you can tell us what is going on? And we'll oftentimes find that they're just ready to just kind of go into the garden themselves, like little chickadees, little birdies, and then kind of let in, you know, what is going on so we can safely secure them, support them with whatever is going on through their body. You send them to a fairy garden? Oh yes. my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the school nurses need it too because they go through so much, you know, yeah. like, you know, this is something for them so they can sit down. And oftentimes I find teachers in there, you know, who are just yeah. trying to, you know, bring back their sovereignty through some, some care that they probably needed by holding space for 25 children at once. Hmm. Jesus, my sense of talking with you, I just keep getting this like ripple pond image because I just, I hear from you, you know, oh, it's in six schools and oh, it's just this growing momentum of community, of healing, of, of so much. And I just, yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful that you're on this earth. I'm so mm -hmm. grateful you're doing the work that you're doing. And I'm incredibly grateful that you took the time out of your busy day to be here with us and, and share what you're doing. It's really inspiring. Well, thank you so much for being here and for letting our voices be heard and for also connecting with those communities that probably feel like they're doing this work by themselves. You're not. We're here. We're sharing space, energy, and we get to all grow together. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for being here. Don't forget to head over to the show notes at herbswithrosaliepodcast.com to download your beautifully illustrated recipe card and to get a transcript of this show. There you'll also be able to sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is the best way to stay in touch with me. You can also visit Jesus directly at herbalactionproject.com and shamanjesus.org. If you want more herbal episodes to come your way, then one of the best ways to support this podcast is by subscribing on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. I deeply believe that this world needs more herbalists and plant-centered folks, and I'm so glad that you're here as part of this herbal community. Also, a big round of thanks to the people all over the world who make this podcast happen week to week. Nicole Paul is the project manager who oversees the whole operation from guest outreach to writing show notes to actually uploading each episode and so many other things I don't even know. She really holds this whole thing together. 
Francesca is our fabulous video and audio editor. She not only makes listening more pleasant, she also adds beauty to the YouTube videos with plant images and video overlays. Tatiana Rusikova is the botanical illustrator who creates gorgeous plant and recipe illustrations for us. I love them. I know that you do too. Christy edits the recipe cards and then Jenny creates them as well as the thumbnail images for YouTube. Michelle is the tech wizard behind the scenes and Karen is our student services coordinator and customer support. For those of you who like to read along, Jennifer is who creates the transcripts each week. Xavier, my handsome French husband, is the cameraman and website IT guy. Thanks to Rising Appalachia for their beautiful song, Resilience. Find more of their music at risingappalachia.com. One of the best ways to retain and fully understand something you've just learned is to share it in your own words. With that in mind, I invite you to share your takeaways with me and the entire Herbs with Rosalie community. You can leave comments on my YouTube channel on the herbswithrosaliepodcast.com show notes page, or simply hit reply to my Wednesday email. I read every comment that comes in, and I'm excited to hear your herbal thoughts about Mexican oregano and ancestral ties to plants and lands, and even all of the cool ways that Jesus is teaching kids about the land and vice versa. Okay, you've lasted to the very end of the show, which means you get a gold star and this herbal tidbit. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And now I'm also excited to try Mexican oregano. As we shared, this plant isn't a mint like Mediterranean oregano, but instead is a member of the Verbania family. You can buy the dried plant at online apothecaries like Mountain Rose Herbs. I also found nursery selling the plant starts. It is a perennial in zones 10 and above, and I'm zone four, but I read it can grow three feet within the season, so it's a good plant to grow as an annual. It likes sun to partial shade and prefers drier conditions. Also, it's gonna attract a lot of pollinators like butterflies. Sounds like a beautiful plant to have in the garden. <laughs>